0: Welcome to our Clothes with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am Chuck Kalazi, and today is Monday, February the 12th, 2024, and it's the sixth Monday in Ordinary Time, and our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Mark. The Pharisees came forward and began to argue with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. He sighed from the depth of his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Amen, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Then he left them, got into the boat again, and went off to the other shore. So I often wrestled with this reading, thinking, all right, Jesus doesn't want to give a sign. Yet Jesus gives so many signs. In another uh, version of this reading, he says, no sign will be given it except that of the prophet Jonah. And what he's referring to is his going into the ground for three days and then rising from the dead. Jonah was in the belly of the whale or the big fish for three days and then came out and preached to the people of Nineveh for their repentance. Jesus loves to give us signs. Think about all the miracles in these gospel readings. Think about all the times Mary has appeared and just endless miracles accompany her apparitions. But Jesus says here he does not want to give a sign. In so many words, why does this generation seek a sign? I think when he speaks of this generation, he's speaking specifically of the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, etc., the chief priests, They want signs for proof. I don't think Jesus is saying, I don't want to give you signs. I think rather what he's saying is, I want to see your faith. Faith should not require signs. Although so many signs have been given to us, Jesus gives them all over the place. But genuine faith is in existence Whether there's a sign or not, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. His critique is not about the signs. His critique is about their hearts. I was thinking, somebody asked me the question yesterday. I was watching an old movie with a friend, and the person said, what is extreme unction? And I thought, oh, you know, there's a phrase that we don't really hear that much anymore. And I just explained how with Vatican II and a a bit of a renewal of the sacraments, not so much that we're renewing the seven sacraments. We've always had them since Christ. We continue to give them freely. But there's a renewal, perhaps, of our understanding of the sacraments. Some would call it growth. Some would call it regression in some ways I don't know I don't want to get into a big debate here I'm debating with myself anyway if I'm on here this podcast alone um and I'm not talking about the mass specifically right now but I know that with the Vatican II, uh re, you know we call it reform renewal I don't know what you want to call it I mean it's just a uh taking a new look we could say at the sacraments there's a new emphasis, which was really the original emphasis on the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, where it's supposed to focus on healing for the living. And in fact, in the catechism, it says one of the effects of the anointing of the sick is that sometimes people physically heal. But if a person doesn't physically heal, still they're given strength by the sacrament. They're given courage. They're, they're healed on the inside. It's a strengthening sacrament. Extreme unction doesn't exactly necessarily refer to the anointing of the sick, but very often the mentality was if someone's about to die, we give them the anointing of the sick. But then also, and we use the term last rites, when somebody's about to die, we anoint them, we hear their confession, and we give them communion as preparation for death. In the history of the church, in the early church, There was a tremendous emphasis on miracles, on signs. The early Christians for 300 years asked for miracles constantly and were given them. Martyrs went to their deaths without feeling the pain. And many, many people saw it. So many people were miraculously cured. So many people prophesied. There were endless miracles. Now, some might say, well, it's because they were all saints, because they were all suffering. When the suffering ended, then they weren't able to perform miracles anymore. But others will say, no, you know what? Jesus commanded us to perform miracles in his name. He commanded us. He said, you will do this. You will drink poison and it won't harm you. You will drive out demons in my name. You will cure the sick in my name. And I believe what happened, and I've heard different people speak about this recently, is that when the Edict of Milan was signed and Christianity became legal, Christianity became very quickly corrupt because church and state came together as one. And usually when that happens, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody was Christian, if everybody was Catholic, if the the state was all on the same page? But... The fact is, there's so much corruption in political power, and I've spoken about this recently, that yes, then church leaders and state leaders get close, they buddy up, and then there's corruption on both fronts. And so there's a constant renewal going on in the church, such as in the early days, monasticism. Those becoming hermits, and then over the ages, different orders that have developed. And now, in this day and age, we have religious orders, but also lay communities and all sorts of lay movements. And it's very often in these new things, these reform movements, that we see the miracles. Some say, well, it's just because they're holy. Well, okay, yeah, there's a holiness there, an otherworldliness there, but at the same time, isn't that supposed to be the norm? Aren't they simply doing the things that Jesus commanded us to do? But we, because of the corruption and because of church and state becoming so closely united, for whatever reason, the miracles stopped happening, the signs stopped occurring, and then the sacraments took on a minimalistic understanding. Such as, and this is how so many people think, so many Christians and Catholics are thinking this way in our own day and age, well, I'll think about God when I know I'm getting ready to die. And so our faith became all about death. And then even in our preaching, it's become all about how to avoid hell versus how to live life to the full, which is what Jesus wanted. Living life to the full means physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, all of it coming together, intellectually, artistically, all of it coming together. That's what Jesus wants. That's what Jesus intended for the signs and the miracles to be everywhere. Because remember what Jesus says when he performs a miracle, your faith has saved you. When there is genuine faith, there are miracles. So the attitude of the church towards the sacraments I think reflected where so many of the people have been for (laughs) how long, 1600 years until what we would call the charismatic renewal in the 20th century with the charismatic renewal. And it was started among Protestants, but then Catholics caught on and suddenly now, and, and we're seeing it more and more among those pockets of Christianity and Catholicism that are legit that are actually made up of people that go to church and pray regularly and live their life for Christ, truly live it and not just do it in a minimalistic manner. Among these groups, we see miracles. We see prophecy. We see the gifts of the Spirit. So more and more people that are very devout in their faith are saying, you know, this was supposed to be the norm all along. We're seeing it now since there's been a renewal. We saw it in the early church. It's a shame that we lost it. But yes, so there's this understanding, anointing of the sick is the sacrament of healing. There's lots of healing going on, even from people who are not priests, just praying over other people. So much healing is being seen. But at the same time, the sacrament is given for our healing as well. And it's not just merely last rites. It's not just merely something that, oh, we better get this done, get this out of the way because somebody's about to die. As Nacho Libre says in the movie (laughs) by the same name, Jack Black, I had uh, dead guy duty, you know, and and in that scene, the guy wasn't even dead. He was saying prayers for the dead for a guy that was still alive. It's a comedy. It's a little bit, uh, I I wouldn't call it sacrilegious. I just call it, it's goofy, goofy. And it's, uh, you know, (laughs) our faith is one of the, uh, one of the backdrops, probably the main backdrop for the movie. I don't know. It's not a bad movie. I, I like the movie. Uh, anyway, so Jesus is not criticizing us for the signs. Jesus wants to perform signs. He wants us to experience healing. I have seen so many things in just my own ministry between friends of mine and even myself praying over people. One story, I don't remember if I told this in a previous podcast. My mom asked me for prayers for one of her friends. And very often the Lord performs, the Lord will do things through me when I least expect it. If I'm expecting a miracle, it won't happen. Usually it won't happen. But when I'm not expecting anything, when I'm actually focused on some other thing, that's when the Lord says, "Oop! this is what I chose to, uh, this is the moment that I chose to, to perform a miracle. Uh, my mom was asking for friends for for prayers for her friend's hands. Her friend, her, she had an elderly friend, and her hands were very arthritic. And I had just been at church for a couple hours, and we were busy doing a lot of things. And I had to go. And the friend showed up late, and I said, "Okay, mom, I got to go." And she's like, "No, before you go, pray over my friend's hands." and okay, I got to go. I'm in a hurry. And I was very annoyed and I just needed to get in the car. I needed to go. And she said, no, don't go until you pray over my friend's hands." So, okay. I went over and I said, Lord Jesus, please heal this woman's hands. And I blessed, you know, blessed her hands, held hands with her for a little bit. And I, okay, I got to go. Okay. Jumped in the car, took off. And they told me later that, uh, after the prayer was done, her hands straightened out and they were fine. And the arthritis was gone. I've seen that myself. I've seen that with many friends uh, in retreats that I've done with some friends. You know, there's a lot of praying over each other and a lot of prophesying, people getting answered to prayer. Someone will be praying something in their heart that no one else knows about. Another person will come and say, can I pray with you? And then that person reveals the answer to the prayer that the other person was praying within themselves. It's an amazing thing. But this is the beauty. This is the beauty that God gives us. I uh, I always love to tell the story. I have millions of these stories, so many stories. Just, you know, when you live the faith and you hang out with people that live their faith, the stories abound. When we were doing the play St. John Vianney uh, with a bunch of my high school students about maybe 10, 12 years ago and... This one young man did a fantastic job playing the part of Saint John Vianney, and I played the part of the devil. I didn't want the students to play that part because I figured it would be uh, a challenging role that perhaps could even be a dangerous role. And I spent a lot of time in prayer uh, before, during, and after playing that part. You know, for that reason, I didn't want. I, I I figured I would protect myself in prayer, and some of these students might not. And it was not long after The Dark Knight and Heath Ledger had died after playing the Joker. And it's a very obviously a similar role, the Joker and the devil. And uh, anyway, there was this one night, there was a one scene actually in the play when whenever we played it. uh, Well, there were a couple scenes like this. John John Vianney used to be haunted in the middle of the night by the devil. The devil would appear to him and scare him and scream at him. And so there's this one scene where uh, I would jump out. And sometimes when I would jump out to scare St. John Vianney while he was trying to sleep, uh, I would come from different places and. Mike, who was playing the part of John Vianney, used to genuinely get scared because he didn't know where I was coming from or how loud I was going to scream at him or whatever. Like I say, there were a couple scenes like this, but this one particular scene, he would always jump for real. He was genuinely scared because he didn't know what I was going to do. And this one night I really let him have it. I jumped out from the back and just wah, scared, you know, screamed bloody murder. And he jumped up out of the bed that he was pretending to lie in. And at that moment, uh, lightning hit the pole outside and all the lights went out in the church. The Lord gave us a little light show and the people that were in the church watching this all screamed as if we had planned it as if, I mean, you, you couldn't even have such good timing as, as the Lord does. So, uh, I don't know. The Lord is so good and the Lord as as I would, if I were to sit here and continue to tell you miracle stories, some of them are funny. Some of them are interesting. God does what he wants. And God is so good at what he does. And he's so intelligent, too. He's, he figures out things far better than we ever would. And so the signs just abound. But we have to ask for them, especially things that really matter, especially things like healing and conversion and freedom from addictive behaviors and all these sorts of things. The Lord will do what we need, what he wants to do, what we want him to do. But remember, the difference is. As we see in this reading here today, it's not about testing the Lord with a negative spirit, as if uh, we're just going to try to explain it away anyway, but rather what Jesus says, your faith has saved you. He wants our faith. He wants our hearts. And to the degree that we hand it all over to him, to that same degree, he is open to us and he is so generous and he's willing to give us everything that we need. Have a great day. God bless you. Thank you.